Hello, welcome to the Squarebase podcast, the home of news, views, and reviews for everything for the old world. I've been joined by my host, Val, an arrogant, incredibly arrogant doofus. Stupendously. Stupendously arrogant doofus. And I'm your other co-host, Rob, currently in a legal battle with Games Workshop over how you say the word Vexilla. In today's show, we're we're in. Yeah, we're in. And we're in. Yeah, I think I, th- I think that was a good beat. It was a good beat. That was a good beat. Also, good beat. I realized I was just doing my dancing on one foot thing, which just looks like I'm jiggling up and down. But that's all right. What? Like, wait, you're doing dad at a wedding dance? Yeah, I mean, I am a dad at a wedding now. So, <laughs> I mean, they sent me the they sent me the uh, the information pamphlets. I got all of the uh, I got everything I need to know. But yes, stupendous. The best insult I think I've ever received stupendously arrogant doofus i want and and i just wanted to really pay homage to that rob i appreciate it since we were last uh, since we last recorded the podcast uh or the show or the youtube video whatever uh i think this is like the first time we put the actual square bust youtube video live uh so uh like that's the big news for everyone yeah. we are, just for everyone to know today we've got two news uh topics we're going to be talking through we're talking about obviously the shooting phase very mm-hmm. exciting. We've found some info. And Val has been doing some deep dive investigative journalism and may have blown this sucker wide open. It's a deep dive. It's, it's a deep dive later. <laughs> uh, so get ready for that, which is going to be very fun. Uh, but yeah, we launched. We launched. I want to thank everyone who's joined uh, the Squarebase exclusive Patreon. And uh, holy of course, cow. Uh, holy cow. And I want to thank everyone who obviously has uh, then also subscribed to our YouTube channel. It's pretty amazing, actually, the support we've got. How, you f- how are you personally feeling about it? How am I personally feeling? Well, I mean, the Patreon money really came in handy you know i figure you know go get yourself something special rob i was expecting some jewelry on you now that we're we're patreon kings um and uh, and just rolling in it with all of the gracious and generous support keep it coming folks keep it coming think of me like your your televangelist pastor with really nice sneakers just ignore all the visual tells that suggest that hey maybe we should stop giving this guy money uh, no just keep keep just fill that collection plate right up guys also, uh, I am no longer allowed to post about the show in the Old World Facebook group because, quote, I'm a shill. And, um, and I just want to tell everyone, you know, we want to respect the moderators as much as possible and, 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 and the people who called me a shill in the Warhammer, the Old World Facebook group, as much as possible. Do not, whatever you do, do not post this show <laughs> in the Warhammer, the Old World Facebook group. Do not post this show. If you see it's already I'll be been furious. Posted, I'll be upset. I will be upset. And if you see if you've seen it already been posted, don't post it again. And sometimes don't hashtag because, and, square bass. Yeah, and sometimes because like uh, mods get or uh, sorry links get auto modded, but pictures don't. Yeah, please don't like you know screen cap shots and then say things like I really enjoy listening to these two. You can find their YouTube channel here. Two people quite clearly very excited about. About the old world, please don't do that. Absolutely. That would be that would be. I'd make me furious. Uh, but honestly, so. honestly, it was taken down because uh, somebody complained that we had a Patreon. Otherwise, otherwise, they they said they didn't have a problem. But then they looked into it and they discovered that that we were we were collecting off a of Patreon. So. Getting those okay. fat stacks. Getting those well, fat stacks. So, so, so has, just, just remove them well, let's, from, our, let's, from our influence. Let's be really clear. Uh, let's be really clear. We've made eighty-six pounds a month at the moment. Uh, let's be clear. Uh, I paid 140 pounds uh, for our um, 
uh, our podcast hosting, as well as I think like thirty six pounds a month on some uh uh what was it some some emails and stuff so right now we are negative money uh which is fun uh yeah. not including not including uh i've obviously sold all of the honest wargamer live streaming equipment to square based so actually uh-huh. several tens of thousands in the hole uh well that was just, that was just a tax thing for you um <laughs> Anyway, let's move on from that. Liability off the sheet. The important yeah, anyway, the important thing is we've got people. Yeah, don't post it. Honest war game. Sorry, in the. The important part is we've got people in the Discord now, like chatting away, which is fun. Yes, Uh, and after repeated suggestions that I swing by and say hey, I did. So there you go. I've 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 come down to the Discord. I've I've even popped by, which makes it I've probably now commented more than Rob. Oh, excuse me. Can we talk about this? Is I'm, I'm going to show this immediately. Uh, this has Go to ahead. happen. Top of the show from our Go Discord. Uh, and we have got check this out. Breaking. Uh, we have breaking, breaking news. Breaking. Look at this. It seems someone in our Discord is a bit of an artiste. Uh, I'm going to shout them out. Late Tide Miniatures has mm-hmm. uh, behind the scenes is a Bretonian. Uh, that they, she's she he they they have drawn they yeah um, they have drawn. Uh, based on YouTube uh, based on YouTube uh, statistics almost virtually assured to be a he but yes continuing yeah but and has got shoes so honest walking uh, fans hate this uh, ass. but how cute is that doing a picture of a lady of the lake that's awesome that's so fun, that's so fun. can we see more toes I would uh, much prefer that. <laughs> Everyone wants the tootsies. Anyway, thank you for subscribing to the YouTube channel. Nearly a thousand, which is great. Thanks for the support. And importantly, I hope you're square based and enjoying the show. Val, how have you been in your square based journey this week? Talk to me. How have you been? Uh, fantastic. I've uh, been keeping pace with uh, literally responding to every comment. It's been so much fun. And uh, painting up uh, some man eaters. I'm really close to being done the yogurts. Rob, we might be slap chopping together when you first arrive in Canada next week. Uh, just so you know. Um, so yeah. <laughs> if people don't know what's going on, uh, Val is based in Toronto, uh, uh-huh. the the home of <laughs> just an incredible amount of mumble rappers, uh, based on oh. some YouTube videos I watched recently, and also some very freaky. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Apparently, we'll poop on your chest. Apparently yeah, apparently that's the thing that apparently that's a thing us Torontonians are into. Yeah, Toronto. Uh, uh, but the um, uh, but Val has organised the Square Base GT, which is a Warhammer Fantasy Battle Eighth Edition tournament being held at the Mini Wargaming Bunker, also known as the F Bunker. Uh, and we'll I'll be there next week for uh, for that hot goss, which is going to be very exciting. Which will be post the uh, re- the uh, reveal that's going to be happening on Saturday. Yeah, which will be the whole kit and caboodle, as I understand it. As I understand it, it's the whole thing. The whole shebang is going to be showcased. So pretty exciting. Uh, Big we'll bang, whamalang. Cool. All right. Yeah. So well, games Workshop are doing thing a live. We're gonna, sorry. Go I think we're going to spoil the whole thing right now. <laughs> yeah. Games Workshop doing a big live reveal, live stream. We're going to be live streaming the reaction, but that's a different thing. Um, anyway, we could maybe talk about our hopes and dreams for that in a minute. Uh, but yeah, you've been keeping well. Yeah, man. Life is great, dude. Okay. I'm so excited about this. We got. I was so worried that when we left the 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 sweet warm bosom of war of of honest wargamer streams that we would like lose all of our viewership, because that's what I'm about here. I'm about people having to listen to my opinions, uh, and uh, and without with it just speaking into a void. That's not good enough for me. I need that. I need that sweet 
sweet feedback from those numbers ticking up. So when we moved over to the to, to Square Best, to the Square Base channel itself, um, and a lot of people came along for the ride, 900 subs is crazy. That's crazy for a week. I mean, I know you've seen some crazy stuff, but, you know, we can't all be the intern. Uh, 900 feels pretty good to me. We're going to be monetized, like, next week? It's sick. Yeah, we, we could make tens of pounds. Tens like, more pounds, folks. Tens. Tens Rob, more pounds. Rob and I have been been brainstorming merch. Like, we are going to just just grift the hell out of this. Because that is, <laughs> this is the, this is the, this is what you want to grift. You want to grift a game that is basically the Frankenstein's monster of a bunch of other 20-year-old games. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's uh, why we that's, started. That's, 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 why, where the, that's where the money's at, guys. That's why we started 12 months ago and started doing uh, dwarven lore deep dives for three hours. Yeah. Uh, we were like, this is the big money. Yeah. This, this is, is it. This is it. Yeah. This, this is, is how what, it works. This is what the algo wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is, people will be excited about this shit. Right. Okay. Well, I'm glad, well so yeah, we, I, when I arrive, I guess we're going to be doing some painting, get some shit Maybe. on the table. Uh, I'd love an intro game. That'd be really fun as well. Mm -hmm. um, I'd enjoy that. That would be fun. And then, uh, yeah, I'll be playing some some Square Bash GT in the F bunker, which would be fun. Yep. I've got a, yeah, I've got, I've, I've got my first free weekend this weekend in five weekends. And then someone's given me a free ticket to an event. And I'm like, do I go play? And just be truly destroyed by the time I get there next week, or I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm tempted. Hey, yeah, you've already availed yourself of our healthcare system once on a trip here. Why not? You know, you know, we got your back. We got, we still have a safety net. That's you can, you, you can, you can swing from that the highest heights here in Canada with with little little fear of physical repercussions. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking forward to coming over, and I'm glad you've been well. Uh, we should maybe just jump straight into the hot news. Uh, which is, I mean, hot as it can get, really. Red uh, hot. Another red hot bit of news. Only 10 minutes. This is very professional uh, before we got to the news. Uh, so we have got the info. It's a square based. It's a square based. This is very good. Oh, we have a can, thousand subscribers. So this is a bit non-square based. Um, but can we talk about like this? Because we, we used to be properly square based on those William streams. We would talk right. about the return of all the war criminals, which is super fun. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. seen that there's a an MCU style war criminal uh, convention occurring soon. I mean, I'm starting to get a little concerned. Is this also a Warhammer tournament? <laughs> <laughs> I did see the Home Secretary in the United Kingdom is into 40k, and I was like, well, that's appropriate. But now, yeah, so he's back, right? Uh, but then also Tony Blair's coming back. And he's going over, which is very Bush. People won't know this. We used to do a show based around the Bush administration. Uh, mm -hmm. Tony Blair's back, and he said he's going to be the peace delegate in Israel. So, oh, good. I'm just waiting for, you know, the portals from MCU. I just want yes. Bush coming through. That's all I want. <laughs> I just want Bush. <laughs> I think I think I think Tony was was the uh, was the curb your enthusiasm guy for for uh, for the Middle East. Um, I think he's just raring to give it another crack. Go, good luck, Tone. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Anyway, we'll I'm talk glad, about that yeah. later. We'll talk about that later because I wonder if the the law writers for the old world have been able to write that in. Like, I, I would like it if there's some synergy there. That's what I'm looking for. So I'm hoping for. Anyway, uh, right. So, <laughs> right. So, uh, the old world arpanet talking about shooting. That how was my segue. Arabi, how can we make Arabi not uh, jingoistic and offensive? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. 
Let's ask. All right, now, 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 stay, stay with me with this for a second, lads. Stay with me for a second. We'll set it in the Middle East. Um, all right, cool. Um, by the way, that was my segue into talking about shooting. I thought it was quite good and artillery. Rob, I just, just, uh, just a point to the producer. On the previous one, you have me facing towards you, mm-hmm. and now when we go to this one, now I got to do this. And it's just a pain in my dick. <laughs> For podcast listeners, I was talking about the angle at which he's facing. I might be able to sort that out as we go live. Uh, but anyway, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very serious. Very serious. We have to. We have. We got to blow this whole thing wide open. So let's start, let's get. We haven't this. got time for this. Okay. We got. Okay. Uh, right. right. So let's talk about it. The uh, the. <laughs> the old world shooting, uh, the old world shooting, the, an almanac, it's another almanac. We're deep diving into our, okay, I'm not going to read the first bit. Uh, Why do you th- think it's spelled with a K? Almanac with a K. Yeah. Mm. Knack is in like, you'll get the knack of this. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe it's just for the SEO. Maybe, oh, pff, new keyword. Got it. Well, almanac is only theirs, but they will never use it again. I mean, unless the Brits spell Almanac with a K. I don't know if that's true. We spell it without the K. Unless the books they bring it out are going to be called Almanacs. That'd be kind of neat. Like, I hadn't thought about that. Maybe, the, you know, the Tomb King book will be the Tomb King Almanac. Uh, it could be. Well, I could see, like, maybe instead of Ravening Hordes, uh, perhaps it'll be uh, perhaps it'll be the Almanac, like, with, with, all the, with all the army lists in there. Okay. Yeah. I think it, I think it potentially works. I don't know about you. Like... Uh, okay, right, so I'm going to read through this now, if that's cool. Uh, as with the other phases, the shooting phase is broken down into Fine. four steps, which you follow mm-hmm. in turn for each unit. Declare okay. targets, roll to hit, roll to wound, and remove casualties. Mm-hmm. Everyone seems every- simple. Seems simple, no problem. Everyone and everything shoots in this phase, whether they're lowly peasant bowmen and barbarian javelineers, uh, a macabre Cimrian screaming skull catapult, or a high-elven mage manifesting a fiery convocation. Okay, so then we have our first snapshot look at what... first question. Yeah, why have it. they renamed Marauders Barbarian Javelineers? Ooh, great question. Uh, Marauders maybe a little not square based. There could be that. Um, there mm-hmm. could be that. Um, or Barbar- Barbarian Javelineers maybe sounds a little bit like safer, maybe as a word. Also, maybe IP. Also, maybe Marauders are in Age of Sigmar, and if, as we know, SDS hate main studio as they should as as they should we're with sds where yeah, sds stands as you once said we're an sds channel 100 percent. yes absolutely uh so we got our first look at a um you know at a profile here we got a longbow range 30 inches strength seven uh sorry strength three no ap it's got armor bane one and volley fire and then we've got a Screaming Skull Catapult, which is 12 to 60 inches, Strength 4 or 8. That'll be to do with a template. Uh, AP 1 or 3. Again, that's to do with a template. And then it's got a host, a cavalcade, a absolute... A bombardment, uh, even. <laughs> well, <laughs> of special rules, including bombardment, cumbersome, flaming attacks, magical attacks, move or shoot, multiple wounds, D3 plus 1, Screaming Skulls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, just before we go any further, how do yeah. you feel about that as a profile? Talk me through it. 
Well, um, the first thing is uh, strength decoupled from armor penetration. They've they brought in rending or AP as it is in 40k, and uh, and so now uh, previously previous editions basically the higher strength, the higher your uh, you know uh, penetration on armor penetration was. Uh, it was four started at minus one, and then it went up from there. Strength four was minus one, went up from there. Um, so this is this to me is kind of cool because now it gives them a little bit uh, more ability to tailor uh, AP. And so you can have a high strength, but maybe more blunt force trauma style weapon with with low, lower APs. It also means that like um, armor, like just regular armor, will hopefully actually have a little bit more uh, of an impact because um, you know if you had like a five up armor save, you were basically never getting it. You know if you were getting shot by anything strength five or whatever. So um, this this uh, this could be cool. It, I, I I particularly like this. I like universal special rules. I think they're mm -hmm. good. Uh, I think a as long as they're done well, and like I think the problem with USRs maybe in the past was that they just weren't explained fully. Like there just was a lot of FAQs not, around not, some, not completely baked. Yeah, they, yeah, they were they were half done. So this is awesome, and also like I was so there's, um, there's going to be a little bit of coloration probably to my my thoughts on this this week because I'm just coming uh, out of having played. 40k for the weekend at a 40k event I was a spare player for the weekend and one of my overriding feelings from um from the 40k event was that everything felt soulless nothing had any special rules really um and the units really didn't have an identity I don't really think US USRs add some identity because I like the idea of magical attacks. I like that you don't write some sort of magical attack for each type of weapon. Like, oh, this has a different type of magical attack to that. It's just they're magical attacks. Make it up in your own mind what sort of magical attacks they are, right? So I love universal special rules. I'm still really hoping that we also see, uh, you know, the units themselves have their own unique special rules for some flavor. But having come away yeah. from a 40k event, I don't think... I think if, I had, if I'd read this last week... I think we've been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a lot of universal special rules here. But having come away from 40k, I don't mind. I want I don't mind that. I'd like more, to be honest. I wanna I wanna get juiced up on some flavor. That's what I want. I want a guy Ferrari, this bad boy. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well I got some I, there's there's some little 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 morsels that they hint at that I think uh, gives me hope for lots of flavor. So yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, so well such as? Uh well when we get to it, I'll point it out. Oh, okay, perfect. All right, yeah, so yeah. we'll move on from here. Uh, first pick a unit and declare its target. A unit can only shoot if it has a ranged weapon, hasn't marched or charged that turn, and isn't fleeing or in combat. To shoot, a model must have line of sight to its target, and you can split fire. So in some cases, not every member of the unit can let loose. Models can almost always shoot only once, no matter how many attacks they have on their profile, unless they have the volley fire special rule, or stationed on a hill, only the front rank may fire. Oh... Um, oh my god I'm so sorry like what okay in my mind this is what happens so immediately this now if you play a shooting army you're like I hope your terrain the board has lots of hills and you're like <laughs> and immediately we all say if you tried putting a tray of square models on a hill and they're like fuck you I want to shoot in two ranks and you're like the whole the whole event is a disaster that's well, that's immediate... why. That's why if you're actually hashtag square bast, you're gonna magnetize your guys, and you're gonna get yourself uh, a metal tray, or or put some sort of magnetic material on your plastic tray, and then those boys can they can probably I'd say they can get right up to forty five degrees, bud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
I'm only letting this happen if you then also magnetize the tray and then you and then the hill is metal. Like that's the- <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's literally how they stick to my my carrying case. The tray is also magnetized, so I'm ready for this. I am I am I am magnet proofed. I'm I'm ready. Okay. All right. Um, I think, uh, well, yeah, we, we've got loads to talk about. I'd love to have a deep dive on terrain on another show. Uh, I really would because I've got so much we're to gonna say talk, about We're, we're going to talk about it in the uh, when we blow this thing wide open. Okay. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Okay. All right. Well, that's a disaster. But, like, um, seriously, stay tuned because I legitimately think that I've found uh, the old world rules. Like, straight up. Anyway, continuing. Uh, models can almost always shoot only once, no matter how many attacks they have. Uh, anyway. So on a hill, oh no! So only the front rank may fire. How do you feel about that? Yeah, uh, I I I feel okay with it as long as like basically any of the large, like mass shooting weapon types and unit types, as long as they all have volley fire, I don't care. It's fine. Um, like for example, handgunners. So if you're gonna have two rows of handgunners, that makes narrative sense to me and looks cool as hell. Um, and I would like that very much for dwarves and empire and anyone else who can take them. So yeah, I think uh, I think it's fine as long as they don't uh, they're not too scroogey with the volley fire special rule. Okay, good. Uh, once the target has been chosen, it's time to roll to hit. Oh, Here's no. the big news. <laughs> <laughs> damn it! God damn it! Uh, like there was a there's a there's I've got uh there's a person coming to my Age of Sigmar event in like three weeks. Um and it's like their first full two thousand point event and they were messaging me and they've been DMing me a lot and they do a lot of like TikTok content. They're quite big TikToker uh for Warhammer. And they were like, I'm quite nervous, etc. And I was like, No problem, we have you know, like we have cheat sheets at the side and those other things. I just imagine if I was to send the ballistic skill chart to them, they'd be like, I'm not coming. I'm just not fucking coming. <laughs> well, I guess it's a good way to protect the game from uh I mean protect AOS from players leaving in droves, as if that would happen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, this, they're like, right, okay, this, 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 this to hit charts is a little complicated. What if we made it even more complicated? <laughs> I absolutely love, oh, whatever. I love your English designer voice. It's so good. Okay. <laughs> Here's the big news. Old style ballistic skill or BS as it's on the profile is back and it runs from one to 10. Uh, the higher your bullshit, the easier it is uh, to bullseye your target. And once uh -huh. models reach a BS of six or more, they start earning re-rolls on their missed shots. But wait, there's more. There's so more. All right, okay. To determine whether a model hits his target, you must make a roll to hit. To make a roll to hit, roll a D6 for each model that is shooting and look up the target number needed on the table below. Any dice that equal or beat the target number shown after applying any modifiers hit the target. So, uh, if you've got a ballistic skill of one, you need a six to hit. But a ballistic skill of five, you need a two plus to hit. So, this is the thing. Like, with all of these charts, basically, it just adds another degree of curve to the learning curve of the game. Because these are all things that you will just have memorized eventually. The way ballistic skill to hit works is you take seven and minus it from the ballistic skill, and that's how you get it. So, ballistic skill of five from seven is a two up. That's how you get it, right? That's the math. That now we all have to learn the reroll math, which maybe is the same. I have no idea. I don't even want to look at it. So, uh, do you know who is yeah, going to have to look at it? Tom, when we make him make an infographic for us. <laughs> Wait, I guess as long as you remember that it's ballistic skill six, which basically was just wood elves and like bloodthirsters for some reason who didn't have a shooting attack. Um, 
yeah, like that's that's basically everyone over six. The one thing that this does give me hope for is maybe we see more use of the entire uh, characteristics chart, and actually on the wound chart, that's where I'm particularly hopeful. Um, but uh, but yeah, the re- like just got to remember, I get a I get a six up reroll on the two plus a hit, and then on the next chart. Okay, yeah, I will. And also, just for newcomers, because uh, we need to we need to think about all the people that didn't previously play or weren't playing. So shout out to all of you who are watching who are watching the show. Like, yes, this does seem like it is confusing, and I do recognize the fact that you're going to be put off by it. But honestly, yeah. with a little bit of paper at the side of the table, most of the time you'll work it out. And also, you generally don't have a lot of. This isn't like firing a repulsor tank in 40k. This yeah. will be. You'll normally have a unit where all of the shots are doing exactly the same thing, yes. and you won't have multiple different weapons. So it it will be. You'll have to look it up a couple of times, maybe if you don't learn it off by the top. But you won't have to look it up dozens of times because they're all different. So that's kind of a positive. And because it's universal, you you have to yeah. do. All, so you might learn it. Um, okay, so then you got, if you got a- Shadow Sun. Shadow Sun brings up a good point. I think the thing that will make this brain crampy is because there's tons of to hit modifiers in, uh, and so um, if you're like ballistic skill seven and you're thinking about that reroll, uh, but you get knocked down to ballistic skill five, you're probably not getting your reroll. I would I would assume, as Shadow Sun was asking. We've had a really good question in the chat. And I'd like to—I'd like us both to answer it. Val, I'd like you to go first. Uh, could you explain the possible advantages are of this system compared to a regular system like AOS, for example? Val first. Uh, you just get more definition in the units. I—I I mean, we already are on record because we're about to see uh, rolling to hit on uh, like ballistic skills uh, that are more than seven plus to hit, which is hilarious. Uh, I think this is probably too granular. I don't think you need this. These rules. I think they are actually from a previous edition. I don't know. This might be a fourth edition to hit chart or something like that. Apparently, this, these rules did exist, or maybe even more recently than that, sixth or seventh edition maybe had the rerolls to hit. Um, in eighth edition, you only had the ability to shoot beyond uh, a six plus to hit. Um, so I just think it just adds granularity. It adds a bit of fun. Uh, you, you, and also, because there are so many uh, to hit modifiers throughout the game, um, having a higher ballistic skill just protects your ability to actually hit. Um, so again, I'm just hopeful to see that, like, um, you know, more rank and file troops, um, maybe uh, you know, at that ballistic four mark rather than the ballistics three, which would be a four, basically going from a four up to a three up. I would like to see more of because if even if you're shooting at long range in this game, I don't know if they say this here, but almost virtually you can be certain that if you're shooting at long range, which is like your your full range, uh, you're a minus one to hit immediately. So um, they're just trying to help people out with the universal rule. Yeah. I- to, my answer to that question would be uh, that like, the game designers are quite clearly going for that. Uh, I think you hear this a lot. I don't want a goblin to be able to wound another goblin the same way they would wound a dragon. And I like, yeah. I, rec- I recognize that. We do play a game of abstraction, though. Like Almost all of it is abstracted in many ways. Uh, and I think that there could be some more elegant writing that you could produce that isn't just numbers versus numbers or charts. Uh, people do love charts as well. So I want to shout out to all my chart, my chart gang in the chat and uh, in the YouTube comments. But I'm a chart guy, Rob. I love charts. Give me more charts. Uh, but for me personally, this is terrible for onboarding someone. Uh, in, in my opinion, and you just like, don't tell them. I honestly, that I think this is such a minor thing that I think like there's probably not going to be like core infantry or core like I, there probably won't be many, if any, shooting units that are going to be ballistic skill six. These are going to be for characters. It's going to come up 
Very rarely. I think Sorry, just... I mean even even the even the normal to roll section. Oh. Ah no, that's I mean, come on. That's seven minus your blister skill. That's what you have to hit. Uh, yeah. I but anyway, uh, I don't think it's very good compared to modern game design, but I'm still here for it. It's great and I understand why we've got why I particular so in, in, in shooting, I think you could go to just a flat roll. I think in shooting, yes. And then modify it from there. However, I I do really like it in the weapon skill like it in the in the close combat to hit chart which we'll see next week. All right, perfect. Uh, right, okay. Um, of course, it's not always easy. Okay, so we got the next bit. Sorry. BS of six or higher. If a model is BS six or higher, it gains a re-roll should it fail to hit while shooting. The second roll usually has a lower chance of hitting on the table below the first target number given for the first roll, and the second is for the, the uh, while re-rolling. So if you are Ballistic Seal 10, you have a two-up re-rollable, basically. So two-up and then followed by a two-up. Whereas if you're a six... Uh, then it's, you know, you hit on a two, and if you fail it, then you get a chance to roll on a six. What are your thoughts on this, buddy? Um, yeah, I, we, we just sort of, we just talked to it all. Again, I, I think uh, it's, it's a rule we can all probably just forget most of the time. Because, I mean, ballistic skill of six is high. So, like, if you actually are hitting on a two uh, and then getting that re-roll, um, you may or may not remember that six up to hit. So, I don't know. Uh, that six up re-roll. Doesn't matter. I think it's kind of superfluous. I think what this signals is to like the base. So like, and again, and again, I think they are talking to an alienated group of players who haven't had a game from Games Workshop in a very long time. Um, namely, like people who checked out in, in seventh edition didn't even make it to eighth. Um, you know, so this is very familiar territory to them. This is this is comfortable to them. Um, and then um, the wound shard is also interesting to me. I just really struggle to picture that there is a horde of people who care so much about game design that they they noped out of their hundreds of dollars thousands of pounds worth of minis uh, law universe and, and and communities and friends that they were involved with uh because uh there wasn't a chart uh, I, and that they are because it wasn't of it, a game there well, wasn't a game right no, I, and they know I, and, I agree and with they you strangled they strangled it to like it was for from these players' perspective, they strangled it to death throughout seventh with like very um, uh, much much higher powered army books that were taking over from the sixth edition books. Um, like there's just so much. There was just a lot of bitterness with how the game changed throughout seventh, and then once you got to eighth, it was a completely different. Well, not completely different game. It's it's still the same core core principles, um, but you know eighth like was an additional turn off on that. So like I just think there were a lot of people who did nope out. Uh, and it didn't happen overnight. It happened over the course of a decade, really. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, now the charts are back, so get ready. The floodgates, local gaming Buckle source, up. bracing like it's a Black Friday not... sale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like to 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 like the to the to the like disengaged players who I think will form a good chunk of of this. And a lot of those people are playing 40k. They're playing other other games off games, but a lot of them would have left the hobby into other stuff. Um, you know, they're going to see this and they're going to be like, oh, they, they actually did what I hoped they would do, what I hoped they were going to do in 8th edition. And what I hope 10th, like basically Age of Sigmar was supposed to be this. It was supposed to be returned to form. 10th edition was supposed to fix all of the gross things that they did to their beautiful game. Uh, but instead they exploded it and told them to go fuck themselves. So, you know, like. I think this this is this is fan service is what I'm saying it is. All right, fair enough. I'm, I'm, importantly, I want you to know that me, I have no problem with it. I can utilize this quite fine. That's not hmm. an issue. And I quite like the rerolls thing. That makes sense. You know that does. 
Uh, maybe slow it down a bit, but we'll see. Uh, okay, of course, not always that easy. There are various negative modifiers you're shooting. It's a minus one to hit. If you moved, you're at long range, you're receiving a charge, or a target has a partial, partial cover. On top of that, a natural one always misses. While negative modifiers can stack past six, uh, you may find yourself having a seven plus, eight plus, or nine plus to hit. A natural six followed by another roll of a four, five, or six. There's more old school goodness in the next step, which you can link. I know, I know. We can move on. We can okay. move on. Like it's, it, it, it's honestly, they're rules that don't matter. That's the thing about them is they're, they're, they're rules that don't matter. But the wound you, chart is interesting, so let's get to it. <laughs> in which you roll to wound by comparing the strength of the attack against the toughness of the target. There are even toughness caps. A strength three bow is simply too weak to harm a beast of toughness seven. So you can have immortal units once again. Uh, in the game pretty interesting okay so you got the targets uh the tar the target strength or well, the weapon strength and the targets toughness and then another good old chart as they say um uh, which is fun so uh yeah how do you feel about the 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 wound roll so this is so first of all i personally prefer a system of, of when you're when you got wound charts like this where a six does wound anything um i like the puncher's chance what it does do though is it opens up tough targets like monsters to weight of dice um so like just spamming you know like um just just spamming monsters to death and things like that um the thing is here is the the chart kind of cuts off effectively at strength nine and ten i'm uh, sorry toughness nine and ten here so basically guys uh who can't see this uh the two wound chart um, obviously, the best to wound you can get is a two up to wound. Uh, and then the worst uh, to wound roll you can get is actually impossible to wound them. Uh, and that starts uh, if you're strength three, which is kind of your base strength in the game for the most part, that starts at toughness nine. So the amount of toughness nine things that exist in the game as of right now are basically none. Yeah, I think effectively this is a this is a this is a no. This is a this is just 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 is this a nothing burger as far as like the fact that there are things that are impossible to wound because well there might be really there might be like spells and enhancements which are probably going to like up the toughness of a model and that's your way of like or reduce strength yeah yeah or reduce strength or yeah or both you know plus, yep. minus one strength plus one toughness you might you might really start to change those numbers around 100%. Um, and like you said uh, strength three is the base so if I can make you strength two then my toughness eight stuff can't be hurt. Uh, but again, you're, you're probably right. There's probably a ton of stuff, uh, like almost nothing that will ever reach into the untouchable category, uh, which yeah. I think is, I think I agree with you 100% on that. Um, in, go on. In 40K, like previous in previous editions of 40K, this was always a bugaboo for me. Like they have, so this is the thing, you have a D6 system, which already limits your range of outcomes. And then they have a 10 point characteristic chart that they only use four points on. So, so in 40k, it used to be essentially the game was between toughness four and toughness eight. Um, I guess there was stuff at toughness three, but that, that belittles my point. In fantasy, really, you have stuff between toughness three and toughness six. That's basically where it is. Toughness seven is reserved for like shooting at uh, war machines. A couple rare dragons might be up over toughness seven. Um, but like, you know, a steam tank, you know, a big iron behemoth with lots of wounds, toughness six. Uh, toughness six was about as high as you got, and actually, it does a lot. I think for the internal balance of the game, I really do enjoy that about Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Is that like, um, is is the tough stuff feels tough, and the and the like, just the the regular dudes feel like regular dudes. Um, but I think having a two wound chart that does have some unwoundable things with weaker stuff or things that get very hard to wound, 
um, maybe opens up the opportunity to say, okay, well, maybe monsters need to be higher up on this on this toughness chart. Um, you know, like to to give them a little more resiliency, a little more a little more um, staying power because monsters. I don't even think it's just eighth edition. I think monsters in general have have always had a tough go. Like those single entity units have always had a tough go in the game. I would agree uh, because because really, like a tray of models is effectively a, a single entity in many ways. All of the models are each individually just ablative wounds in Pretty what much, is a yeah. profile on a single unit. <laughs> uh, the the legendary Reese Richard Robbins was like, "Hey, did you ever like playing uh, fantasy?" He's like, "No, nah, man. The models are just wound counters." And I was I was wounded by that. I was hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and then I like I was trying to be like, well, isn't that the same in in other games? And then my brain broke, and I had to stop. But yes, they... <laughs> that's good. Yes, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Thanks for talking me down there as well. I think that's a really good point. That there's very little probably going to be unwoundable. Again, yeah, I don't I don't really hate the way it it's done in 40k as an example like anything more than 40k do it differently 40k it's if it's equal it's fours if it's anything that's not it's you know it's threes and fives and if it's half the strength it's uh sixes and if it's double the strength it's twos and so, i like, and i i love so as far as a compromise between this chart and what aos does which is just you know you have a flat to hit and to wound i think the 40k mechanic is really really clever for like if if you're married to a d6 because it does, because what that allows them to do, which they only started doing in this recent edition, is then you can have, if if you open up beyond toughness ten and and strength ten, now you can have real like a good good range of of you know easily woundable things. You can differentiate between you know heavily armored targets and and you know more squishy targets, and you can have specialized equipment for dealing with those things. Which again, I think that's I don't know that adds a layer of like you know. Um, uh, thought that you need to put into your, um, you know, army list and things. Whereas with charts like this, um, and in previous versions of 40k, you were just looking for, you know, the right strength, the the, the right strength to spam, um, you know, to get your your five ups to wound. Um, and uh, and yeah, so like anyway, I, I really do like the the 40k wounding mechanics. If you're married to a d6 system, this is also just fine by me. Yeah, it does seem like it is actually you can actually immediately create a reference for yourself you don't actually have to look at the chart it's effectively yeah you if, don't if the weapon and if the weapon uh strength is the same as the toughness it's four and if it's That's one right. higher or lower it's four it's threes and fives and anything else it's six and twos so like it's quite simple so if your toughness yep. is four your strength is four then it's going to be fours and then if like one higher it's one lower and all that it's, it's it's like you don't need to look this up once you learn that quick bit that's fine very achievable doing the math yep. on the fly every time exhausting also whenever i get asked in age of sigma a lot of people don't like the age of sigma mechanic where it's like you know this weapon always wounds on a three and you know when people ever ask me like how does that happen i go fucking magic it's yeah, it's magic, guy. <laughs> We're walking between the realms here, pal. Just roll some dice. Yeah. Right, okay. Uh, it's it interesting that the like, AOS. It's it's interesting to me that AOS that mechanic was done because they were trying to make a game that was just just basically meh, whatever. You know, like that kind of feels like what Jervis was aiming for with that game. Um, what a way to go out. Um, but uh, they somehow that mechanic wound up working. You know what I mean? Like, I think like somehow like just having that blanket to hit and blanket to wound is is effective for Age of Sigmar. Like it works. 
Well, um, what's, so, what's good is is I never need to ask you a question, right? Uh, like I'm like I'm never constantly asking what is your response to the thing that I'm doing. I know what my numbers are, and then right. you know I can ask you, are you minus to hit or minus to win or anything? They're like, no. I'm like, cool, and off I go. Um, and ultimately, that's how I guess you denote toughness, like varying degrees of toughness, is through your your modifiers and your saves, right? Yeah, yeah, it work, yeah. I think it works well enough. I think there are some cases that, like, I think people have got a really fair point about. I, I understand. I absolutely do. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway. Yeah, um, I, I think that basically the point I was trying to make is that, like, although AOS does seem to have that sort of cognitive dissonance in how the game works, it clearly works, and it works really well. Um, whereas, you know, th this also works. Um, I think we does. get hung up on, it does. you know, like, my, my, I, I think, yeah. My one point from, again, 40K this weekend is watching someone shoot a repulsor at Mortarion, which That's was way to dice, yeah. which was like 70 shots or whatever it was, and I had a two-up save, and they had no AP, and I wanted to, like, cry. And I was like, and then, like, okay, that's number one done. Let's go to number two. I don't think there'll be as many dice in, in Old World, so I think it'll be I, fine. Virtually guaranteed, absolutely not. Because, like, in, in 8th edition uh, fantasy, like, uh, when I talk to fantasy players, they talk about how, much, how many dice you have to roll in fantasy. Or eighth edition, anyway, yeah. compared to previous editions, and it's comical to me because, like, the biggest handful of dice I may have ever picked up is thirty. Uh, you know, when I'm rolling rolling a hit with a hoarded up unit of of halberdiers or something who are juiced up on some magic, like that's that's maybe that's maybe the most I've ever had to deal with, and like that would get me a third of the way through. Like rolling a hit for my friggin' like a, a unit of orc boys, <laughs> you <laughs> yes, know, when true. I was playing 40k. That's true. So that's so true. Like relatively speaking, yeah, there's more dice um, than maybe some games, but certainly not nearly as 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 dice heavy as as 40k is on its good on a good day. <clears throat> All right, so it won't be Warhammer without a save and throw, which your opponent will make during this step. It's a familiar process. Compare the armor penetration of the weapon with the armor value of the model it's hitting. Light armor grants a 6-up save, heavy armor a 5-plus save, which can be boosted with a shield, a barded mount, and certain spells and magical items. There's a small difference, however, as models can also have a ward save. This cannot be modified by armor penetration, and it is rolled uh, for as a separate save made after the armor roll has failed. Okay, which is uh, fun. So you have you have like so their ward save is the same as an AOS ward save or a forty k feel no pain. Same thing uh, after, but it doesn't. But it is not done the same because it's not after damage is extracted. So it's armor save, ward save, then damage multiplication. Or we don't know that from this yet. I'm um, saying so again. So like so in forty k for as an example, if you failed either an invulnerable save or an armor save then what you would then do is you would roll yeah. your damage multiplication. So, like, if it was damage 2 or if it was a D6, you would work out what the damage modifier what, amount was, and then you mm. would be like, cool, I've got 6, feel no pains of a 5+. plus." Yes. Well, that's In this, because... Oh, God. Yeah. No, well, I mean, like, I feel no pain. Or, like, what What, what was... You came up with jargon for, for feel no pains. The after wound save? DPR, damage prevention roll. Damage, damage prevention roll um, was is is just a dumb. It's not dumb. It's a response to the fact that you have a d6 to work with, and you have uh, you know increasing strength, and you need a way to tune resiliency. So they originally would have armor, and then an invulnerable save, which is something that you can always take if your armor save is has been eliminated. And then they added feel no pain, which saves each individual type of damage. Um, on this, instead of having a feel no pain, they just make it so you always get your ward save. 
And the ward save is generally speaking going to be, you know, lower than than your your armor save. So just I don't to, know. I like it. Just to be clear, though, like uh, just to be clear, we as of yet don't know if this the ward save will be done pre or post the damage multiplication. Oh, I see what you're saying. It will. It'll be pre. Pre almost certainly. Okay, yeah. so so that will be inherently different to how 40k and Age of Sigmar work, uh, where <laughs> <laughs> fantastically Age of Sigmar has a ward save which is done after damage multiplication. <laughs> <laughs> love that, that. Is funny yeah i love that, that that's great yeah uh, like, but yeah like I, I just based on how the mechanics of this game are like uh, as far as i know ward saves check and check me uh, correct me that ward saves were kind of a, a rule that didn't really change ever so i suspect it hasn't changed uh yeah i don't think <clears throat> I, I i don't think it's changed as well but it's just worth clarifying for people who may have never played this game yet uh so we have go on Oh no! We have seen we have seen some influence from Warhammer Armies Project, and Armies Project does do interesting thing with ward saves, especially modifying ward saves and allowing them to stack. So currently in Eighth Edition Fantasy, and I'm I'm assuming previous versions, I don't know that. Um, if you had somehow access to two ward saves, you would just take the highest. Whereas in in Warhammer Armies Project, they allow you to actually stack those things. Uh, ward saves would stack in the case of uh, Magic Resistance for Eighth Edition. Um, but uh, for the most part, it would just be, you know, your best word save is what you got. Yeah, okay. And I just want to be clear to a couple of people in the chat, Pershaw saying that this is a bit confusing, him as a, mainly a 40k player, that um, the, the ward save being after an armor save and not simultaneous with um uh, armor saves you would in 40k uh so there's uh it's worth 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 just kind of like clarifying that for people because i think otherwise that's actually more confusing than it seems uh the mm -hmm. final step is to remove casualties and take panic tests where necessary this is super simple remove one model for every cat wound caused unless the target has more than one wound you know the drill you need to take a panic test if the shooting is killed more than a quarter of the models in the unit but we'll get to what happens in another article uh you know the drill is is again fan, it's fan service man they're they're talking to their they're talking to the they're winning back hearts and minds here like Guys, this is just like you remember it's a warm embrace um <laughs> like yeah. they literally are like oh you might be interested in this new thing well you aren't part of it so you can't be <laughs> in <Yeah. laughs> well it's also this gives it an air of exclusivity you know like uh you know there's there's, there's something to be had there uh, that's that's all of like People complain about gatekeeping in Warhammer. Warhammer is the gatekeeper. Like the game, like even if you, if you pick AOS 40k, soon to be old world, um, it is it is an, it is a near impossible task to get into this. The fact that people do is mind boggling to me, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it is hard. I think the fact that it is hard is part of why people work so like like even casuals to put an army on the table. I've said this so many times. It's it's an insane amount of effort for even just someone to have a game. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think complexity is as big a deal as, as, as it's made out to be, um, just because the friggin' assembling a model is complex if you've never done it before. <clears throat> We can talk about this another day, I agree. All right, there are plenty of weird and wonderful shooting units in Warhammer. The old world and a plethora of special rules go with them. The big beasties have breath weapons, some skirmish cav have fire and flee, while dwarven mm -hmm. iron drakes have cinder blast bombs that can quick shot. Uh, wouldn't you like to know? Uh, as for the magic, there are two categories. Oh, should we just talk about that for a second? Uh, um, we can talk. Actually, we'll touch on fire and flee later on when we blow this thing whole wide open. Um, okay. uh, but yeah. Uh, basically, these are like, um, you know, like those are charge responses. Quick shot might also be a charge response or an ability to uh, probably uh, use your weapons when you're being charged if they're really close to you. Normally, you can't. 
um, based on previous things. But here we go. This is actually, we're getting into some of the cool uh, reveals that are subtext on, the, on this next part. Okay. Uh, as for magic, there are two categories of spells uh, to be fired off in the shooting phase. Magic missiles and magic vortexes. Oh, no. Human... <laughs> Trigger warning, Rob. Trigger warning. <laughs> Human wizards use battle magic. Uh, for instance, can blast off a quick fireball, my favorite spell in all of fantasy. Uh, while those blessed by the dark gods may use the lore of demonology to conjure a vortex of chaos. Val, hit me with the hot gossip on that sentence. So the fact that we see something called demonology, which could be for Warriors of Chaos, or it could be specific to, you know, it's probably, this one's probably specifically for Warriors of Chaos, um, just gives me a lot of hope that uh, we're going to see custom lords of magic for armies that don't have their books yet. Uh, so because, again, like so much of uh, faction's identity does come from its lore of magic, specifically like I'm thinking of vampire accounts. If vampire accounts don't have their own custom lore of magic, they don't get to do a lot of the fun stuff that we know vampire accounts for, like, you know, rezzing zombies and, and doing stuff like that. Uh, Van Hell's Dance Macabre, which has been in the game forever. Um, so, yeah, so, like, this gives me such relief to know that, you know, we're not getting fully stripped down, like, like truly get you by list. We're probably going to get something that's interesting. Thanks to all the Universal Special Rules. I know what you were saying there, Rob, about the 40K stuff being bland. But you know, if you have a big enough roster of special rules to Agreed. draw from, you Agreed. can make you can make the the units you know individualized and interesting. Um, so again, this was just a nice little indication. And here's battle magic, which is is um, you know what they call for humans. I think they're speaking specifically of empire mages here. Um, and uh, and uh, there's your answer. This is the replacement for the colleges of magic. Uh, because it doesn't exist yet. So battle magic for your battle mages. Yeah. And lore of demonology referencing uh, each book having its own lore uh, is going to be super exciting. And I did say this, like, I want a deck of spells. I want that. I yes, want a deck 100%. of spells. I want that. I want to drop a spell card down 100%. Um, yes. uh, like, <laughs> it's crazy that they don't realize that we want that. Like, <laughs> you, like if I walk into a store... You can sell me a deck of spell cards for casting spells I'll never cast so easily. It's unbelievable how easy you yeah, can sell Yeah, for armies I'll never play, too. Like, 100%. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's just something great about it. Um, but I think they got better at that. Like, they love selling the little little card things. Whether they keep them in stock is a different different story. Okay. Um, the uh, Also, the something that has been noted, I think, widely is just the power level of these two particular spells seems to be fairly low. Although, Fireball... 2d6 strength, 4 hits, ain't nothing, because they hit, right? So, like, that's that's the equivalent of, a of like, 14 shots at, at BS4. Um, but the AP of dash actually is a nerf to the fireball, because previously, a strength 4 had a minus 1 AP. So um, it, it is a little bit less effective than it would have been in previous editions. So as um, I understand it, because I've, I've been lucky enough to have some conversations with some people who might know some elements, uh, spell, spells are not going to be the uh the game swinger that they were which is which is a huge boon uh absolutely massive like that's still fine like the idea of just i like the idea actually arguably of there being more magic i'm not really uh one for busy work and that's kind of wounding on sixes is very busy work hitting on sixes re-rolling so that i hit on fours to and i'm probably just not gonna remember yeah it's, it's just it's a, it's a lot of busy work uh, yeah. But fireball, like, I like the idea of a couple of mages throwing spells that do something, but not loads. I'm very yeah. keen on that. Um, I think the battle shifting just because a level four magic magician did a thing. Uh, so also, also, there's a lot of design space 
between uh, the eighth edition magic that we saw, which was, you know, guys, like there's probably no equivalent in any Warhammer game to the power of magic in, in fantasy battles. We're yeah. talking about, uh, we're talking about like, for example, uh, the Vortex, uh, uh, you know, Purple Sun of Xerxes, uh, which uh, I know exists in AOS. I don't know what it does there. But in, in, in fantasy, if you cast the big one, it was a large template. So the pie plate, which is about that big. Uh, uh, the size I'm holding up in the air, podcasters, is about yay. Um, and uh, it would uh, kill you, remove you from the game, if you failed an initiative test, uh, which is where you have to roll below your characteristic value. Well, a lot of people out there are, you know, uh, initiative three, two. Uh, so if you hit a bunch of ogres with that who are multi-wound models, they would all just get sucked down a hole and die, or at least two-thirds of them will. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think that was actually kind of added because Fantasy 8th Edition, quite frankly, is Armageddon, uh, sorry, is uh, Apocalypse for Fantasy. So I think they had the big kill spells because they had big, big units of ranked infantry. You're probably not going to see the same thing in this one. Yeah, my, like call, my call for the OP element of this game is 100% going to be cavalry. Uh, get ready with your horses. Okay, uh, my I just like the idea of casting spells, but it being like a th just a, I do a fireball. I kill three goblins with a fireball. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Eleven out of ten stuff. Happy with that. Um, yeah. All right. So and, and then uh, just just also like um on on the topic of uh, of of this, I'm really curious to see how um like how do you select uh, your spells? Uh, do you get a choice? Do I hope they don't like come attached to a mage i hope you still get that sorry swiss army knife value out of out of magic because that's the other benefit to them was that it could do a bunch of different stuff um and with the casting in different phases if you have a spell that works in that phase are you always allowed to use it like say say you have a level four with four different um like maybe you're allowed to take one from each category of of type of spell i don't know it, it's i'm curious to see how they actually do um, you know, work with the you know the distribution of like what each mage is able to do based on the, how good they are at it, etc. Yeah, that would be really fun to learn. I agree with you 100. Uh, percent Because you do want a magician like this, like, you know, a famous magician, I don't know, like Teclis or something, to actually like have some like impactful, like you you want them to be impacted in the game. Like a level one wizard just doing something, like you don't want it to change the shape of a game like it previously could. But you do want Teclis to have that, and balancing something between those two fairly tough i imagine also if output isn't the main benefit of wizards my assumption is going to be the Buffing. buffs and debuffs yeah. are, are yeah. going to be the main purpose of a wizard yes. uh, which is cool all right and okay. i think that is ultimately cooler right that they that they are a force multiplier um that they are you know either hurting your opponent or or helping your 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 guys so that they are either less or more effective in battle i think that is a really cool way to do it agreed Agreed. All right, so then we've got the Demonology spell Vortex of Chaos, uh, which is cast on an A, which is tough to do, uh, range 15, uh, and remains in play, and you place a small 3-inch Blast Template, so its central hole is within 15 inches of the caster, and while in play, the template is treated as dangerous terrain. The template moves D6 in random direction during every start of the turn subphase for any friend or foe the moving template touches. So for D6 plus 1, strength 3 hits with an AP of dash. So again, doesn't do very much. So, so the only thing I would take, yes, yeah, so that's kind of a womp womp spell, but it remains in play, so it's going to be there being annoying. So that's cool. Um, it can be placed within 15 inches of the caster. That's not how vortexes used to work. You used to actually have to sort of like shoot them out from from your unit, which could lead to bad things. Uh, but the biggest thing here that this talks to 
is, and I guess Screaming Skull Catapult would have would have pointed this out already, but we have templates back, which we haven't touched on. Um, and uh, I think that's interesting. I personally don't have any problem with templates. Um, and uh, maybe we'll have some cool we'll have some cool uh, widgets for you guys to make templates easier. Um, but uh, also the mechanics of that particular vortex, where it's if it touches the unit, then you get a D6 plus whatever. I wonder if that's how maybe they handle templates. So the the template is more about the scatter. If it touches the unit, um, then it's it's a randomized dice roll for how many actual hits it, it causes. Uh, that's an that could be an interesting compromise on keeping templates, but reducing some of that, you know, argument over how many models are covered. Oh, that's a nice idea. So if the template touches any element of the template touches, it also kind of like makes sure that it's not too effective. You know, like if you have a bunch of ogres, they're going to take you know I don't know a unit sit twelve, let's say. Like that previously with a, a template, you would hit you would hit 12 but like you know with goblins same space maybe 60 or whatever you know you'd hit a lot is kind of the point um and that's a way that's a way to that would be really nice that would be a super elegant way so what we're trying to say is and what i was just saying is you're going to just reduce down uh, like uh, how impactful discussing it through is does the middle hit yes you take this many attacks from the middle does the side of it hit you take this many hats i love that that's great because honestly I groaned a bit reading about templates. I did. Yeah. Like, um, so, a bit much. Yeah. So, again, I think that, to me, though, like we were talking about, to me, the 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 most, the most I guess, contentious part for me was always the, the, is always the scatter. So, like, when you, when you, when you, uh, when you actually place a template, generally speaking, like a, like I say, it's a stone thrower or, or something like that, um, and there's a scatter roll, there's basically a dice with a bunch of arrows on it, and then another dice with some numbers on it, and it will go in the direction of the arrow that many inches. But getting that accurately so that it's, you know, actually where it says it's supposed to be on the dice is sometimes very annoying uh, and can be contentious if it's a like a high, you know, leverage moment. Whereas now, if it's just the template just has to touch, well, then it's much less of an argument because, you know, very rarely is it going to be very, very close to not touching, right? So um, it's either going to pretty much be on or off, and that's a fairly agreeable thing um so anyway yeah okay all right cool uh i think that's uh, that's it for the article so uh, a lot a lot revealed there and i would like to take this opportunity to shout out everyone in our youtube comments and uh podcast people podcast should be going up like this afternoon we're we're, oh. we're, we're sorting it well we're going to sort out it a little bit more so uh, if you do happen to be listening as a podcast uh, do leave some comments because i'm interested in what everyone's thoughts are on this and the article, like you pointed out, is clearly talking to an ex- well, a pre-existing fan base, not really necessarily trying to sell it to a new fan base, which is a very interesting kind of pitch. Uh, and I do wonder if there are people who are like, I'm really excited about this, Rob, and I'm a new person. Odd they're not talking to me. Or, Rob, I'm an older person. This is exactly what I wanted. Or actually, you know, like me, as someone who played this game previously, some of these stuff, some of these bits are a bit like, I liked it. Like, but templates as an example. If you give me a better version of templates, I'll be over the moon. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that was an issue. That was a point of contention between two people in the past, and I didn't enjoy it. So I would yep. like that not to be a thing in the future. I mean, uh, we'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, first time you play with Square, uh, with with templates in a long time, we'll obviously be at the Squarebase GT. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I tend to. Be, uh, the other thing is, unlike 40k, where like you have dispersed units. 
in fantasy, like if you have a template right over right over a unit, it's hard. Like, is it is it ten guys or is it twelve guys? Like, you know, like it's always going to be a lot of guys. So I feel like I I don't argue for every single one as much, or at least I don't feel the need to. Like, if I'm getting hit by a template, I'm already like, oh, that's bad. Um, so like, you know, like arguing for the margins for me is not something that I usually die. It's not a hill I'm usually needing to die on. But that this all is 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 we're talking about previews that they're dribbling out to us. But we're about to reveal the entire game. Are you ready, Rob? I'm ready. Uh, also, pinch of salt. Is that being true? <laughs> the clear. entire we are going to tell you ex- actually. I'm, pinch of salt, sure. But I think that the fundamental concepts that we're about to go over all virtually assured uh, to be uh, to to be what we're going to see uh, because a lot of the naming conventions are the same. And what I'm referring to here is. Um, on uh, on the uh, I think for the most part I got this from the old world Facebook group where uh, once again please do not share this show do not post this show there if you see it already posted don't post it again don't hashtag things square bast um, actually people did spontaneously post the show and I really want to thank anyone who did that that was really really nice those ones didn't get taken down so don't post this show it might get taken down besides that point um, they love speculation in, in the old world uh, group. Um, and uh, so let's speculate a little bit because someone pointed out um, some similarities. Uh, I think it was around, um, I can't even remember which specific rule they were talking about, but they were talking about Warhammer Ancient Battles, specifically the second edition, which was released in 2010, which is Who wrote roughly that? the, uh, this is written by Martin Gibbons. How oh. did you, how do I know that? Um, Martin Gibbons, from what I can tell, did this and not a lot of other credits for GW because they folded this uh, part of the uh, design studio almost immediately after releasing uh, the second edition of this. This is when they're reducing specialist games. So 2010 is about when they uh, they pack up all of the the, uh, the subsequent games. So the Warhammer, Warhammer Ancient Battles is largely, as I, I would say, derived from 6th edition, but with, with a lot more detail. Um, specifically around a lot of the things that we're starting to see. So, um, actually, we can go to the second slide first. Well, before we do that, I'd like to hit an intro because I think there's something yeah. really fun here. Because uh, what Val basically might be saying is, is because we know that there's only a singular game designer, maybe with some addendum help, uh, but only one. And shout out to him, them, they, she, whoever, uh, for doing a great job of creating like a game that we're about to be excited about. But here's where it gets really exciting. Is Val about to blow the lid off a plagiarism <laughs> case so big... <laughs> that maybe he himself is about to cancel the old world is the thing that Val is the most excited about in a very long time. Has he been so, has he done such due diligence in his research that games are about to pull the product due to plagiarism, which Val has uncovered. One of the things that has been driving me crazy around the discourse of, of this game is that a lot of this, like I fully believe like most of what we're wondering about is already out in the open. Um, so like base sizes, and I'm going to actually, I think I'm going to release a standalone video about base sizes, uh, sometime soon, um, before they're actually revealed because like we can look at the pictures of the armies that they've shown and we can see what freaking bases they're on. And yet the group think is so, so aggressively anti-speculation. Uh, so S my D we're going to, we're going to speculate the hell out of this. And I would bet that we're going to be right in the, we're going to be right in the, in the wheelhouse um, so yeah, if you can go to the second slide just for a quick second, then we'll come back to this one. Um, the reason why I want to start with marching column. Okay. Uh, so you went too far. 
Oh, okay. nope. Then I didn't arrange them correctly. Anyway, <laughs> marching column. Marching column, obviously, guys, we've seen that already where you can reduce ranks by one to triple your movement. I maybe didn't put it in. I, I screwed it up. Okay. Um, you, so you can you can uh, basically triple your movement. It's different than a march move. Uh, it actually requires you to change your ranks and things like that. It is fundamentally uh, the exact same in Warhammer uh, Ancient Battle. So that is, a uh, to me, a sign that hmm, maybe we've taken some things. We're also going to notice that the exact same wording is used uh, for the name of these rules. So that means that the substance of the rules might change, but certainly if the name is exactly the same, to me that's an indication that they probably use these things for inspiration. Um, and uh, so if we're at uh, the, the first one here, this is um, basically uh, the ability to maneuver or change ranks. Um, uh, these are additional things that you can do in ancient battles that maybe has never really appeared in fantasy. You've usually had uh, reform moves, which take up all of your movement. In ancient battles, you see opportunities to use a portion of your movement to either do an about face and walk, walk in the other direction, um, or to add or subtract ranks. Um, for example, for half your movement, you can add or subtract a rank, whereas in fantasy battles, you would have had to like use up all of your movement to do that. Reform, they also, yeah. yeah, they also have reforms in this. Um, but um, something here um, that they've indicated in, 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 I think, the first article was the difference between open and closed formations. And on this one, they, they describe what, what makes an open formation, uh, what, what, what an open formation does and what it allows them to do. That's still the first one. Um, you can go up, up, back up to the top, tippy top. This isn't it. There you go. Uh, so on the left, on the left side, um, basically, basically allows them to do two of these about face maneuvers uh, per uh, per turn for free. So that means that an open order formation, which is still in ranks, it's not a skirmishing unit, uh, is just more more nimble. It's more mobile. It can move over. It also has benefits to going over terrain, for example. But specifically, this unit could turn around, walk backwards, and then turn back around again to face the enemy. So essentially, it can back up uh, from, from an opponent, which is a super useful thing. Um, and then if we go down, especially around marching columns, uh, there's been a lot of like, well, what does it matter if you have a marching column? And the reason why people are saying that is because generally speaking, if you're in a unit, uh, if you're in that, if you're in that four wide formation, and then you want to want to charge something, you have to get out of the marching column, which would be a reform, which would be all your movement. So as it stands right now, it looks like if you're in marching formation, well, it's going to take you three turns before you can charge something because you're going to march in the first turn, you're going to reform in your second, and you're going to charge in your third. However, there's some design space here, and um, not just the pictures, uh, the text as well. Um, this, this is going over um, a basically a unit special rule called drilled, um, and this is pure speculation here, but this just shows you the types of things that they can do. And this is an example of a unit. These are for usually Roman troops. And it's their ability to, um, for example, turn on the spot and 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 charge, um, or you know, reform and 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 basically change their shape, um, while still being able to do things in that phase with with less penalties. So the reason why I'm highlighting this is that like something like a marching column, yeah, seems lame. Who's ever going to use it? Well, could be very specific. It could be different units have different abilities that make them more disciplined, more able to move in formation. And the drill troops are also a feature of closed, uh, closed order formation. So a closed order means you're tighter together. You can work with like work with your homies to do things. And you also are able to, uh, 
just be more nimble and and do more uh, maneuvers. So I could see this being a feature of, you know, your less chaotic troops. Maybe some of the maybe the great swords might be a drilled unit, um, uh, or have something that might call back to this style of a special rule. Any thoughts, Rob? <laughs> Yeah, this is great. Uh, none. Uh, is it though? I don't. I don't know. It, are, are we, are, is this interesting? Yeah, it is. It is for prefix. I think Valso, like I, I think we got there towards the end. At the start, um, uh, we're definitely talking about the formations and movement of troops, uh, which yes. is coming from how it's written in this game, um, and then how it might impact what it looks like in uh, the old world, which would be good because yes, movement was uh, quite uh, singular in warhammer fantasy battles you like you said you reform and you were basically ineffective for several like you, you know if someone ever just arrived behind your army you're like well i'll never they're never getting charged like that is not that's not something that my army is capable of doing because it would cost too many turns to do it and achieve it so having that like um changed and look at this and uh, get some more options feels really nice uh, or maybe like, the ability of a character nearby this is also most of these like a drill formation or the ability to like reform in this game is heavily dependent on the musician so a musician is a special up unit upgrade for just about everything uh, if you have that it opens up your ability to do more more cool maneuvers and stuff so we can keep going this is speculation so we can keep going no, but i love that i love i do love that like i like that, that, that it's more impactful i really do uh, movement's the most important stat and i do think movement was maybe one of the weaker elements of warhammer fantasy battles so it like, certainly didn't for, for something as as they certainly weren't using a lot of what they could have used and that's why i find the hints at some of this stuff being picked up and put into old world is kind of interesting because it will i think it could make for a really crunchy movement phase um so the next one uh so there's a question in the chat Are adding musicians uh -huh. banners going to cost points yes you normally unit upgrades cost points for yeah. instance you'd pay for like heavy armor and everyone would have heavy armor um uh, there'd probably be a different in weapon options in points cost as well um and paying for like a, a command group uh, is normally something people would do which would be fun the next page in i've my, got for you in here, my point to uh, to shelf loathing it says if it takes three turns uh to marching column reform and charge and why not just remain in fighting column my point is is that that's what everyone's assuming, but I suspect very strongly that elite troops will have the ability to change their order and to change their formation a lot more nimbly than, say, just you know your your regular uh, conscripts and stuff. I would um, love that if I'm honest. I would I would like it if my blocks of troops, especially my elite troops, were much more competent at being able to like maneuver around the battlefield, and it also would change up that very linear deploy, go in a straight line game, uh, which Warhammer Fantasy Battle often was. Yes. Uh, this feels a lot. This feels a lot more dynamic. Uh, like I mean, like this game in particular with with the maneuvers that they allow feels a lot more dynamic. The reason, so this is combat results bonus. So in in fantasy, the essentially when you're fighting a combat, it's not about like who entirely like wipes out the other unit necessarily with actual attacks and stuff. It's about who is determined to have won the camp combat. And at the end of it, you add up how many people you killed, and then you give yourself various bonuses. Most of these would be very familiar to um, anyone who's played Warhammer Fantasy Battle, but I wanted to point out, because a lot of people are wondering, what does close order mean? We talked about open order. It means you're probably more of a nimble thing. You can, uh, you might be able to do uh, more maneuvers for free without movement penalty. Uh, in this case, uh, close order receives, just for being close order, a, a bonus to, to their, their, their combat. So that means if you're fighting a close ar closed order unit uh, and they have a standard, 
um, you know, immediately they have, even if they haven't killed anybody, they've scored two points for the combat result. So a close order unit is just a bit more of a tank. So just, um, just again, for people who are new, uh, what normally happens is when two units are fighting, uh, you take the number of models that have been killed for both sides, for both like units, if you will, uh, and then you create like effectively a combat result. It's kind of like a, you know, like a boxing match. This is the scores. Uh, this is how you did. Uh, but other things, as Val just pointed out, like having an additional rank of dudes, having a standard would give you a bonus points, and then that would be how you would gear towards like winning the combat in some cases. But being a closed order from this from this rule set at least, or the other yes. rule set, not what we know so far, might give you plus one um to that as well which is fun uh that's cool yeah i, I like the idea that the different orders are going to give you bonuses especially like some spearmen having a closed order obviously they're less maneuverable but uh they're they've got plus one straight off that feels like a positive yeah absolutely um and then can we just scroll down a little bit on this one just in case i don't think i think that was what i wanted to call out in the combat results there's an interesting concept again this would only be for the fantasy heads out there of momentum uh, so momentum is if you've won if you won the previous combat but nobody broke from it like you didn't like the 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 combat continued uh, you also get a plus one so that means that if you're winning as, as as if you're winning in subsequent rounds it becomes easier to break your opponent uh, which is kind of neat I don't have no that one I have no idea if that one comes in it was just a cool mechanic that I liked um, and we're also going to get into give ground soon so if we go to the next one okay uh, so these are charge decorations is where I'm at next. Oh, charge decorations. Okay, cool. Oh, right. I'm watching on delay. Sorry, that's why I'm I'm a little. Uh, uh, the only thing I wanted to look at here was in charge. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, one down. It won't work like that. Just tell me which page you would like me to go to. There you go. Charge responses. There we go. Charge decorations. Here we go. Charge responses is what I found interesting here because it it defines a couple things. Um, one is counter charge. So what what so we've seen that some quick units. I think the way they phrase it is some fast units can respond quickly and countercharge an opponent. Uh, in Warhammer Army Battles, it's literally called countercharge. It applies to cavalry and light chariots. And essentially, it allows them, as some have speculated, to meet uh, a charging unit sort of in the middle. So if they're being charged from more than half of uh, the opponent's movement, uh, they can actually sort of come out to meet that opponent, uh, and they also get the benefits of charging. So if they get like a, an attack benefit, or if they're, if they're knights and they have lances, it would get extra strength. Um, so it allows them to sort of intercept. And I think that's what the cool thing about counter charge is for me is that if, if a unit sort of sallies forth from your line and, and stops someone from charging um, uh, like right, right up next to you, then that gives you a little bit of an ability to maybe maneuver and, and hit, hit someone in the side. So again, cavalry with a very interesting, um, uh, a benefit in this rule set of course it's very possible counter charge is a, is a rule that's given to not just cavalry we're in a magical setting not a historic setting um but that seems to be sort of i would bet that is the mechanical concept that we're we're talking about it's not that a not it's not that a different unit can charge it's that the target unit is able to come out and actually take some of the table take some of that charge distance away from the charging unit and then also get a bit of a benefit and then at the bottom here we have fire and flee uh, which they referenced in the shooting, um, in the shooting one. Uh, fire and flee um, essentially is just for sort of fast, uh, like like uh, you know skirmishy troops. Uh, I think for the most part, I don't. Again, I don't know who it will apply to, but in this case, um, essentially they can shoot and then run away, uh, which allows, but it just reduces the distance that they can flee. 
Uh, so, for example, an infantry unit would generally speaking flee two d six away from from uh, from a from a from a charge. In this case, they would only flee d six. Um, so you probably would hope that you know the person's already charging you from a long way off before you use this. But this is sort of maybe the idea of what fire and flee is all about. So we think that we, a lot of the keywords that we're seeing, a lot of the things we're seeing in the article, are just rules that might have been lifted directly from this document. And these might certainly, be I, I would go so far, like clearly at the minimum, inspired by. So, like for example, marching column. It in this game, it's actually three wide is the marching column, but in this game, it's an, it's based on the the sixth edition rule set, which was a, a, basically a rank was four models, not five. So it makes sense to me that a marching column now in old world is is four wide because that's that's how you lose your rank bonuses. Um, but I would say because they are literally using the same names for these things, I would suspect at the very least, you know, countercharge may not work exactly mechanically as it does here. But I suspect the idea that you are coming out to meet your opponent and getting the benefits of charging um, is is what we'll see. I mean, it's hot gossip if they're identical. Uh, identical. I don't know. Just the I, they couldn't be identical just because the this is written like a traditional uh, games workshop piece of design. So there's a very it's very conversational at, at times. They explain the rules and like the idea behind them a lot, uh, rather than just telling you how it works. Um, but yeah, so I, again, I would say certainly um, inspired because they're just literally using the names of these things. Um, so we can go to the next slide. Uh, this, so the next slide is about counter charges. It gives you an indication of what Val was talking about. What I am going to do for everyone who is listening to this at this point, I'm going to include a, a link in the uh, YouTube and also podcast to this uh, PDF that Val's made. So you can kind of peruse it yourself, share it with your friends, etc., uh, which would be cool, uh, which I'll do. Uh, the next one is about giving ground, moving units that give ground. So give ground, this is something that was referred to in the first time we heard anything about the rules at all in a, a developer diary, I want to say in the summer or just before the summer. Um, and uh, so give ground to me was always kind of confusing because um, it was, uh, if, if basically the idea is like being pushed back, I guess is actually how it was phrased in that developer diary. Um, but the idea is if you lose combat instead of like breaking and running away, which can result in you also getting chased down and killed, um, you just move the unit backwards in the formation. Like, so, so like they don't, they just literally, they just give ground. Um, and I didn't understand why that would be. And this gave me some insight as to maybe how it will work in old world where it's actually, it's a benefit for large units. So essentially if you're a large unit that has lost combat, instead of, um, just, uh, piecing out and getting run down, say like you outnumber, maybe you've been attacked by some elite cavalry and you're a big brick of spearmen and you've got like, you know, 30 models in there, they've killed five. There's 25 guys to the horses and you've lost and now they're going to run you down. Well, instead of that, they can actually just get pushed back. Um, so this son, this goes from being like, a, why would I want to do that to a benefit of larger units? And the reason why I really think this is how it's going to be is because in previous games, I don't know if they had, I, I think they had something called unit strength, which was kind of a complicated rule to benefit larger units and larger models so that they couldn't be like that scenario didn't happen as often. I'm not sure exactly how it was used. It's used in Warhammer Armies project as well, but it was an additional stat for the unit um, that sort of gave you uh, another thing to calculate when you were, when you were doing your combats. Whereas this is just basically if you outnumber um, uh, your opponent by a certain margin, two to one after casualties, um, you don't necessarily break, you just get pushed back. 
Um, and I think that is um, a really cool way to benefit large units that have a lot of mass uh, and is also to me kind of evocative. It's kind of it's kind of narrative. They're 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 they may, maybe they lost. So yeah. So I was just uh, going over uh, uh, giving ground uh, or um, I think they call it pushback or something like that. Um, and again, wrapping my brain around why would this be a good thing? It's 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 not a good thing for the charger. It's a good thing for the defender uh, because if the charger gives ground um, and then um, and then. Um, uh, Sorry, if the the unit receiving the charge gives ground now, I mean, there might be units on either side of that. So if you can imagine, you know, like three units together, you charge the middle guy or even at either side. If, if they give ground instead of breaking, well, now that unit is, that, that charge is going to be wide open in the flank for, for one of the supporting units to come in and charge. Um, so that's why giving ground be good. Uh, whereas if the unit breaks and the and the charging unit overruns, they're like in its cavalry, for example, they're going to get you know a 3d6 move and they're going to be able to move past that unit and no longer necessarily be in danger of receiving a charge from a supporting unit so a pushback is actually um you know a potentially very nice defensive buff uh or like the ability to outnumber your opponent and be pushed back instead of breaking and fleeing is a nice defensive buff uh, for holding the line Again, um, that's also some more minutiae in movement as well. Like, because units would often just get locked in perma perma battle in the middle of the board until someone ran away. You know, you were just swinging dice at each other each turn. This adds more nuance into those phases, which is really nice. If I'm honest, mm -hmm. redress ranks. This is something that was referred to, I think, maybe in the movement article. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure, um, but it's essentially a form of combat reform, um, but. Um, so essentially, this is after the con if you've won the combat, uh, you can um, essentially just you know. And say you're in a narrow formation, but you're fighting something in a wide frontage. There's actually a picture of of this particular example on the screen. You just you can add two ranks, or you can you can you can move your guys into position. The thing that this hints at to me that they have it in old world uh, actually has more to do with how in ancient battles they remove casualties. From multiple combats, so this is gonna get a little wonky, but um, essentially, if you're say if you have like three bricks, right? Like, so you have one one unit that's been charged in the front and one unit that's been charged in the side. Uh, the way it works right now, I'm pretty sure, is that you just no matter what the casualties are, you're gonna remove the ranks from the back of the unit. Mm -hmm. So if you're the flank charging unit, as you kill ranks, you actually have less guys to fight. If that makes any sense? Yeah. Um, whereas in army battles, sorry, in ancient battles, and maybe in previous editions too, I, this I'm, it's completely dark to me. Um, you actually remove unengaged models. Um, so if, if you have uh, a unit in your flank, that, that, that unit, like that file of four or five guys that are, are fighting the dudes to their right, uh, would not be able to be removed as casualties until everyone else had died. So you can get like these, like Tetris shapes, like these L's. Or like if it, if if they were on all sides, they, you know, they would hollow out like a U, which is kind of cool to me. Like the formation is is fighting, you know, on that line, right? Like they're they're like they're battling, they're the they're trying to hold the line against their their opponents, and so obviously the people who are actually at that point of contact, they aren't removed as casualties because someone's always going to be stepping up into that gap. And what the redress ranks allow you to do is move people into places where they're aren't anybody right now um so again i don't know redress ranks might be uh actually function mechanically in old world like the old combat reform which just you know let you move your dudes around um or it could be something more similar to this a little more specific 
I wouldn't mind uh, having some uh, control over removing slain models and giving myself like an advantage uh, at that point, specifically because again, that's a level of ability and skill expression versus like you know where, removing uh, knowing where to remove models from uh, in some of the other game systems has always been a skill-based like uh, decision it's a decision point that really reflects you understanding what's happening in the game and uh, while i agree with you it's quite cinematic having everything pinned in it does feel like that gives you very little opportunity to have anything else happen in the game that's like it's just you're just locked in there and it's just happening. you were you were already limited in that fashion just because uh well you're always locked in combat you can't leave but but can you as well yeah. as i'll maybe hint at later um uh but um also the so the reverse of that in this scenario like sarah in the case of a rank and flank game is that by removing those those ranks well that flanking attack which is supposed to be really useful for you you have less and less models available on that frontage um this might be solved immediately just by the fact that um i think they've said that everyone in the front rank fights regardless of frontage um so we might not need this kind of granular detail but they have referred to redress ranks so uh, might be a mechanic like this, or it could just be a new term for something like a, a combat reform. Okay, interesting. Uh, then we talked about line of sight. Oh dear. So you were so in the shooting. The reason why I brought brought this up is because in the shooting article they refer to needing to be in line of sight, and Rob was kind of heartbroken about that uh, because there are two things that there's some kind of major changes in game design that came from Games Workshop games. I would say in the you know seventh to, to eighth fantasy transition and then also in the fifth to sixth uh, 40k transition and that was leaving uh, abstracted line of sight and going to a true line of sight situation so if you can get down if you can see it you can hit it basically um, and because they reference line of sight in the shooting article I don't think they say true line of sight they say line of sight uh, I wanted to bring this out because this is just an example of how line of sight at works uh, and interacts in, in, in this game, which is very heavily abstracted. So, yes, you do need to be able to see the models you're shooting at. However, what can stop you from see, seeing the models are things uh, as simple as boulders on the field, um, you know, intervening forests, um, hills. All of those things can, um, can remove uh, your, your line of sight. Elevated positions also are abstracted. So if you're on any type of a hill, you're soon to be able to see over models in front of you. Um, so I think this gave me hope that because this is how, again, if this is, if this game is about fan service, this kind of abstracted line of sight concept would, um, speak to them a lot more than true line of sight. True line of sight was like a, like caused a lot of groans, uh, for people when they brought it because it basically makes most tabletops just a shoot, like just makes it as if there's nothing obstructing aside from other models. Um, so, um, so you can see here, example, um, hills, buildings, and especially large boulders block line of sight over level ground. It's plainly impossible to see through an interposing hill. Uh, wooded areas block line of sight through them if both shooter and target lie on opposite sides. Um, so this is a way that line of sight, again, we don't know. But obsessed. I would, uh, obsessed I would, with the orchards, though. <laughs> and copses. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, so I, I'm so sorry. I'm not sure you actually can see through this orchard. You're like, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like, <laughs> but, but the, the but doors are clicked to the apples. If if this was how line of sight worked, would you be happy? I would. What well, I think my preference, like, and for everyone to have some context for this, 
um, uh, I pretty much wrote a bunch of terrain rules for Age of Sigmar 3 when the game launched and pretty much adopted universally worldwide. Uh, every event pretty much runs something similar or, you know, some abstraction of it. And it effectively, it's not too complicated. And this seems to have something similar. Just a bunch of keywords. That's all I want mm-hmm. is a bunch of keywords. Because what I, what I want to do, and it's not because I want to be a tournament gamer, it's because I want to be a narrative gamer. I want mm-hmm. to 3D print... I don't know, a bunch of buckets and a merchant selling some apples near a cart. And I want like my dwarf cannon to that to just have a keyword. It's like, oh, this makes you minus one to hit or something when you go through it. But obviously this forest, but a forest resplendent with trees and boughs is very different to, you know, a sickened wildwood that has been like infected by chaos. And I would like- You mean like both- a cops? Yeah, like exactly like a cops. <laughs> and, like, and I would like them to have both the same effect without me having to like describe the physical manifestation of it, right? So like keywords is what I'd like. And I'd like those keywords to interact in what makes very simple because I want to have less conversations about it. I want to start the game yeah. with, if I draw a line through this- like what happens and then that's it and i think that that's a a, so i would be keen if we see that because terrain is one of those things where i really want more terrain on the board because it looks Mm -hmm. awesome and it's cool but there are as i've discussed limitations like hills are a huge negative especially for the for trays because like you would need the top to be very very flat in some way right or it not be wonky because as we as we both know a couple of inches movement left or right and you get a very different game state you know yeah. charges are easier and a bunch of other stuff so you want stuff that works mechanically uh, yep. but then you can get around a lot of that by just giving it a bunch of silly words and then we don't then we can abstract ourselves and it looks awesome and i love that like i want more of that if that's possible so yeah and abstracted line of sight allows you to have abstracted terrain so you can have you know more area terrain type thing set up i don't know if you want to go in a game like this you do you may genuinely want to go to something like uh you know the the 2d terrain um that just enables you to have like more interactions more fun uh by you know designating a hill with a different colored piece of mat we also have we have we have game mats now which didn't exist before uh by the way if you haven't had the delight of of sliding a regiment of troops on a tray over a mat No, if, if, if gaming mats had existed in 2015 in a broad sense, this game would have lived. Damn it, because it is know. so I've... good. Like you, we could just be like those guys in the in the bunker with the friggin' sticks moving the stuff on the map. Oh my god, great, so good. I remember. So obviously, I live in Nottingham. So Warhammer World was my local and the only place I played. And the first time I ever went to an independent event. Um, and there weren't mats because obviously it was England. And back in the day, all we did was play on, for some reason, uh, lime green sprayed pieces of wood. Uh, yes. Uh, but even, that was the double, that was the ETC as well. Yeah. Yeah. But even that was such a heavenly, heavenly uh, change from the realm of battleboards where everything would just slip and slide <laughs> down. And the realm of battleboards mm-hmm. are specifically my PTSD. I hate hills. Yes. Um, yes. That's where that well, comes that's from. Well, like, that's because, like, the flat terrain on the, like, there there were two squares of the Realm of Battleboard that had hills built into them. So, like, even if you weren't on the flat it. part of it. Yeah, so it was it was, it was was a ludicrously bad design. It would look pretty, though. Uh, but, yeah, it was terrible. Um, I uh, I bought those and sold them in rapid order. And they the way they clatter when you roll dice on them 
It goes from like the most di- delightful ASMR. This is also one of the reasons why I hate dice trays is because in battle reports you lose the <laughs> of the of the dice rolling. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so yeah, I think uh, I think if I, I would love this, I really do think like the more abstracted your terrain is, uh, the the more you can actually use it. Uh, the less uh, dependent it is on being like you see in 40k. Uh, where they are, you know, just they are functional um, by being very tall and very opaque, and it blocks the game. You lose a lot of that, uh, those really cool dynamic, you know, like views, the the very cinematic feel of the game. You get that a lot more when you have abstracted terrain, I think, and still put terrain on the table. So I, a forest I, can have a base, and then you take the trees off, and then you're great. A hill. You know, maybe you just make sure you have a footprint for your hill, so that way you can, if you need to, take the hill off That's and exactly still know what, what the thing is. I, I think, I yeah. think it's just going to have to be a hybrid system where each piece of terrain. So the, the like, I'll, I'll do a video in the future about how I do my terrain at the venue, especially for Age of Sigma. Um, but like, I basically just use a piece of area terrain, and that area terrain has rule A or rule B or a couple of rules mixed onto it, and it's mainly don't stand on it, basically. Um, but right. for hill, if, if yep. hills do give an advantage or being in a forest is an advantage that you might want, you know, like wood elves might gain some advantage for being in a forest or near a forest, then yeah, you would just you would have to produce a bunch of neoprene like flat pieces and then you would build your physical i mean that we're in a again compared to 10 years ago we're in an incredible place where i can have 3d designed a hill shape and that the footprint of that will mm-hmm. exactly match uh, a neoprene map that i could have printed as well so i can i can have that duality really nicely um and i can create that for a people playing at my venue but b for myself and that's really positive uh, yeah. so i'd like i'd like to see that in the future yeah. i think that'd be really good so the the last thing mechanically that I just wanted to holler at from Ancient Battles, there's no reason for me to believe that this is a thing in in fantasy whatsoever. But this is something that does not did not exist in fantasy. It didn't really exist in 40k. There were some um, uh, special rules that let you do this, but this is disengaging. So leaving a combat that you're in without breaking and panicking and running away. Um, that's just the whole thing. So this is a this this is a this is a component or a key component of the Ancient Battles rules. Uh, certainly from a movement uh, and I suspect combat perspective, um, uh, ancient battles seems to have a lot in common with uh, with 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 uh, old world. And I'll be curious to see if you're able to disengage from a combat because uh, disengaging uh, eliminates a very annoying uh, yet uh, sort of critical element right now of fantasy, which is tar pitting units. So you take a very big, Hard to sh- like like high wound density unit of, of plebes or maybe a steam tank stuff that isn't easily broken uh, in combat and you throw that into you know the the very expensive elite infantry of your opponent and uh, or cavalry or whatever it is and they yeah they they'll beat beat up those those clan rats or those goblins or those uh, those halberdiers but uh, it's going to take them a long time and they're not going to trade well in that in that matchup. So being able to disengage would allow you to get out of bad matchups and maybe maneuver around and, and get something better. Um, and again, pure speculation as to whether or not this will be a thing, but I'm just saying I've never seen it. I'd never seen it in a fantasy game. Maybe someone can uh, correct me on that. But previously, the only way out of combat that I know of is to um, is to either win or lose. I would like to see disengage. I think being robbed of the choice uh, feels like a mistake, and I think that that would be really positive. 
uh, whether uh, like again, don't don't get my hopes up here. You've 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 done a lot here in this kind of uh, investigation, and thanks for doing Blown it. Blowing it wide open, wide open. Um, uh, and again, I'll include the document for people. But you've got me really excited about some elements, things that I really like the idea of. Specifically, has to be disengaging. Um, terrain being uh, more impactful but more sensible but also uh, the movement having like again uh, the, the being able to reform and charge I remember because like, when we just started talking about it then a flash a memory of something just like teleporting into my back lines and me being like I'm never going to be able to fight that it's going to take five turns or whatever it's going to take to to deal with that um, yeah. and that being a huge problem and you know a, a really bad abstraction because sure like in you know in normal war um turning about a big block of dudes is is tough but it's not impossible uh and uh, it much more simpler than we had in the six turns that we had in one fancy battle days so that's really fun um and yeah. also interesting that they uh, have lifted a bunch of ideas from another game system or an adjacent game system i guess yeah, and I think like you see, I see hints too, and I didn't, I didn't open it up and go look at, it, but I've seen a lot of people talking to um, uh, uh, Fantasy Battles Fourth Edition, which is I think fourth, basically fourth and fifth. I think were very similar editions, um, and uh, and you know saying that they've been noticing some things from there. I think maybe pushback was in in there. I think pushback is also something from the original Ancient Battles, which was a Jervis Johnson system from the from the nineties, probably actually very contemporaneous to. Um, you know, that fourth, fifth edition fantasy battles. Um, so I think what what my biggest takeaway from this is that like um you you had you, you used a slur on on eighth edition fantasy that I reacted to, which is that it it's very static. And after reading all of the options in ancient battles here that again, in a lot of cases have been alluded to in old world previews for you know changing changing your facing, uh, you know, maneuvering your your troops. Um, everything can go to a skirmish formation, you know, if they want to pass through difficult terrain and stuff like that. Um, there's just a lot more ability to be nimble with your rank and file troops. And also not all rank and file troops are the same open and closed order give different advantages to the style of ranks that you're using. If you're a turtled up the Roman Legion style, you know, chaos warrior style, um, uh, unit, uh, versus, you know, the barbarian javelineers, um, you're going to. The, the Barbarian Javelineers may still be in ranks, but they'll be probably open order and have some benefits to being nimble that the like the real hammers won't. Um, so that to me just opens up so much cool stuff in my mind, like whether or not it's it's something I'll ever be able to you know execute or use effectively on the table is, is different. But it takes what is a strength of fantasy, which is uh, which which was, you know, its movement phase, you know, the ranking, the flanking and giving it. A lot more of the ability to um, to do fun stuff with your units on the table. Um, so a lot of this moaning that I've been seeing um, about like, oh, the call the the marching column is dumb because then I got to move all my models around and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think we can we can figure that out as we go. Um, but uh, you know, like I, I think just the the opportunities for different rules interactions, different different unit types being able to. Um, do different movements and and do surprising things or you can come up with very creative you know combinations of moves just makes the game seem a lot more interesting uh we'll have to see how it plays and if any of the stuff actually winds up being what it was in the past i i think yeah so the the, the criticism of static you can kind of understand where i was coming from then do you think now looking at the options available potentially here 
I guess what I'm saying is that it can this this to me provides the opportunity for more uh, a more dynamic uh, uh, game, which is again like less less straight line. Um, in in fantasy, like in eighth edition, it it feels very easy to get out of position, and then very hard to get into position. Um, and this rule set um, provides certain units a lot of options for um, getting into position, uh, whether or not they were in or out of it in the first place. Um, so that's, that's to me just like from an imagination perspective and like, and like looking forward to like potentials, uh, potential gameplay, um, like that's exciting to me. Um, so I think, I think a lot of people have been sort of, eh, about like some of the things that they've been hinting at, but if they're hinting at something that's a, a lot more crunchy with what you can do with your units and their formations, uh, and how they can, you know, again, change their facings, change their rank orders, all that kind of stuff. I think that's going to make it uh, a more interesting game. I think that is something that I missed from from Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Like, 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 it's kind of like a retrospective. If I was to say to it, you're like, okay, a unit is this wide or that wide. Like, okay. But you didn't really have any, like, there were no special formations or shapes or bonuses, like, or orders or those other things that you could give them that really affected you know, like what they did. And I do love that because that opens up a huge, you know, a, like you said, a unit of Chaos Warriors in an open formation might be very different to unit of Chaos Warriors in like a close formation. But also a unit of Chaos Warriors of Sanesh might be much more effective in an open formation because of some other bonuses that they have. Yeah. And then, yeah. uh, you know, a, a unit of closed Chaos Warriors of Nurgle, uh, much more defensive and blocky. And so, yeah, being able to stack them on could be very, very fun. Uh, we might be just doing a load of hopium and copium right now, but, like, it does sound very I, engaging. It doesn't sound impossible either because it's already there in another game. It's already there in another game, and they've been literally referring to a lot of these rules. So we already know that that um, you know uh, units can quarter turn uh, at the cost of twenty five percent of their movement. That's something that they can do. Um, you know, like we 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 already know that there are counter charge mechanics. We already know that there's a pushback mechanic. Um, so like just in the, those three that I rattled off right there, you are um, you're you're introducing mechanics that will allow you to adjust. The positioning of your models and and your units in ways that you just can't you just haven't been able to do in previous versions of fantasy uh, or at least the version that i played which is eighth edition um and i don't think six i think six was simpler so maybe going back to the like a, a very much older feel uh for uh how things move on the table oh my god this is gonna be so fun like it sounds really fun i'm very excited uh i really am even if i do have to look up a chart for rolling a six then a four then a three uh, and then you roll a two and re-roll it. <laughs> I'm fine with that. That sounds pretty good. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, have you got any plans uh, leading up to uh, next week? The next article? Have they said what the next article is going to be? I think it'll be close combat. Close combat. Okay, so you will get to find out a lot if a lot of these predictions were true. Um, yeah, some of them. Some of them will be be revealed. I'll be very. Mostly, what we're going to find out about is: Are we going to get uh, close combat style from Eighth Edition, which is, um, you know, being able to fight in uh, multiple ranks, so you get helpers from behind, um, uh, and step up was a big deal. So basically, if you if you lot if someone hit you first, and then uh, you know your guys died, uh, you you were still able to swing back because it was assumed someone from behind the formation would step up to 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 fight that fight. Um, previous editions did not do that. I see no reason to believe that step up would be in this game because it is, again, one of those key changes in eighth that um, I think aggravated the base. Uh, so I suspect we're going to see much more front rank heavy combats, which will 
again, the thing I'm really interested in seeing is like, what is the mitigating factor of, of, of basically um, wide ranks? So like basically wide units aside from maneuverability. Um, because like, because right now, um, yeah, like if you had if you had units that could do that open order thing, which is you know being able to about face or quarter turn uh, without penalty, uh, you know you could be in a very wide unit formation, uh, you know move up the table, do a quarter turn, shift over, do another quarter turn, and now you're facing you know you, you've moved and you're you're facing the right direction and you're tremendously wide. So I'm I'm just very curious to see um, how. Uh, how like that that the, the 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 unit width is is mitigated by rules because you know super wide units could just be the thing that everyone does and that that kind of ruins it for me. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It doesn't ruin it for me. That was that was that was hyperbolic. It doesn't ruin it for me. It's just like what is what is the downside? What are the risks to being very wide? We'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Like I am. Um, I'm getting more and more excited as time goes on. These articles aren't. I I think I knew we probably wouldn't get the 40k strength and toughness thing. Like it's fine. Uh, and honestly, the weapon skill, ballistic skill thing, which ballistic skill looks a little like naff when you look at it for shooting, but when you get into combat, it does make sense. You know, like the best swordsman in the world versus the lowliest grot. You do get. It does start to make a lot more sense. Uh, for close combat although i'll never forget like it, it like undefeatable melee lords in front ranks just being like oh god and just being stuck in combat with them forever so hopefully they they get rid of that as well that'd be fun i do also like the idea of adding a bunch of crunchy special rules like looking at that yeah. screaming skull catapult that's very cool uh so yeah look like another fun week of stuff um as we yeah. as we lead in towards it and i think again also breaking these down i would say these articles have been broken down quite nicely they've given us enough information but not loads of information they haven't felt overly selly they've just been mm -hmm. like you know here's some stuff um yep which is quite interesting and, and, it, and they have and felt like love letters yeah and they've also had like some nice like they've had a lot of easter eggs things that hint at at a brighter picture like I wouldn't have been able to speculate on on uh, ancient battles if if it wasn't for the fact that they've named rules that they didn't explain. Um, so yeah, like I, I yeah, actually yeah, I, I really have enjoyed them. The shooting one was a little bit um, lighter than the other ones have been so far, but combat will probably be pretty crunchy, I would think, because uh, you're going to see you know the mechanics from uh, breaking and fleeing from it. We're going to probably see the to hit chart. Um, you know the uh, you know combat is a very very core. Uh, mechanic obviously of 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 old world and fantasy so uh i'm curious to see but i, I suspect what we're going to see is of uh something that seems almost um uh underwhelming from like a damage output potential perspective uh is my assumption it's because because you just because because if it's limited to the front rank um you're unless there's a, a market increase into how many attacks different units have uh, you're you're just you're just not going to roll a ton of dice, and so um, the game becomes not just about how much damage you can do, but again, those other factors, those bonuses to combat. Um, you know, do you have someone who's made made it into the flank to give you that bonus? Um, you know, do you have a standard bearer? Are you in closed? Uh, you know, a closed formation possibly. Um, those things start to matter more than just raw damage, which again uh, makes for not necessarily a better game, but just like a game that works differently and is interesting in a different level. Okay, well, uh, it's been fun. Uh, thank you very much for doing the deep dive investigation. I hope everyone enjoyed the video so far, everyone watching live on Twitch. And if you watch it on uh, the the internet, on YouTube, and if or yes. you've listened to the podcast, then obviously you can like, subscribe, and all that other stuff, uh, which helps support the show, which would be cool. And also just leave your thoughts. That's the most important part. 
just leave your thoughts. On I will respond to you. Oh, can we do? Can we we actually have to respond a little bit to our sign off. Oh we yeah, go. of course. Please, I'm excited for this. Um, I need to find it. I wrote it on a little sticky note somewhere. Uh, uh, yeah, there we go. Um, so I think we had. Um, uh, we had, I, I got three. One of them, I think, is a chat GPT, but maybe not. We can find out. So we have at San Francisco. Uh, oh, this Robin is our YouTube Val. commenters, right? These this are YouTube is... commenters uh, trying to give us a good sign off. We have uh, San Francisco, Robin Val squaring off. Um, okay. And then we got uh, Bristleboss78. Uh, um, uh, the, now, Bristleboss immediately says that they like the if you're going to be there, you better be square for the sign off. But they then ramble off some suggestions. And then I think there's some good ones in here. Uh, uh, if it ain't square, then we don't care. Uh, wherever you are, don't forget to rank and spank. Uh, my personal favorite, flank you and good night. Um, <laughs> get a square base in your place. Uh, we've been a flare for the square. Show some flare on your square. Don't hang around, hang square. Uh, and get good, get squared, scrub. That's not bad. And then finally, this one got a lot of uh, got a lot of thumbs up from Anton Yap eighty five ninety seven. A reply to the post I put up, which was Squarebase coming at the old world from all the right angles. Anyone who thinks it goes too far is obtuse. <laughs> I like that there are oblongs in the game, but we just don't talk about it. Like it's <laughs> just not a mention. I like what Neural Shock dubs. Uh, uh, said in the chat, this ain't the end time, so we'll see you next week. That's great. Leading to the obviously tragic eight years into the show uh, final episode where we say, this has been the end times, and good night. <laughs> <laughs> we got hundreds of years of, of narrative uh, of narrative runway to get to before we're in the end times. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, flank you and good night is, is good. Let's do, I'm going to end there. Uh, Val, thanks for uh, hanging out and talking. It's been great. Uh, you yes. can check us all out next and, week. And I just really do want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you everyone so much for watching and commenting and and saying nice words to me uh, and and about Rob, uh, both of us, in fact, on, on various social medias. It uh, means the world. This is ultimately a passion project, despite the very fancy crown I started this episode with. Um, you know, we just we're just super nerds who are really excited about this. So thanks for also being super nerds, really excited about this. And uh, yeah, keep commenting. I've been having such a blast uh, res responding in the comments. And whatever you do, do not share this in the Warhammer the Old World Facebook group. Okay, I just I can't stress that enough. Why don't we just make our own group? Why is it your like pernicious? Like, why are you so obsessed with being in a group of people who are annoying? Like, what's your goal? Uh, well, because not all of them are annoying, frankly. Uh, there's, there's, as with all of the Facebook groups, is probably a very small minority that are uh, that that have what I what I call bad takes uh, and bad opinions. Um, most of them are are having a good time and are excited, like we are. And uh, there's also forty two thousand of them, so uh, we've got <laughs> almost a thousand subs. But I think we got a little room. Uh, to convince them to get square based. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. So we're on a mission from God, is what you're saying. We're we're so, spreading the gospel. Oh my God. We're on a mission from God to change 42,000 people's minds. It's going to be <laughs> okay. I'm ready. Uh, so thank you, and good night. <laughs>